Welcome to the Feel Good Parenthood podcast, your go-to mum crew for all things parenting. I'm Courtney, the no-nonsense, cut-the-fluff, multitasking gin enthusiast. I'm Steph, your source for zero bullshit advice, coffee lover and eye rolls. And I'm Emma, the woo mama of the group, juggling snacks and deadlines. We're keeping it sweary and messy with a good dose of tips and tricks that you can actually try at home. Because let's face it, if we can't laugh at the chaos, we are probably going to cry. So grab your coffee, hide in the closet if you need to, no judgment from us, and join us every week for your dose of feel-good parenthood. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back for another episode of the Feel Good Parenthood podcast. You have Emma today. Um, I will be your host, and today I have a very special guest, a dear friend of mine, um, and she has a pretty incredible um, journey to share. So I'm definitely honoured to be able to give you space to share um, your journey. This is Dani Louisu. Um, she is a oh, she's a local doula and lactation consultant and childbirth educator in Adelaide. Um, but more than that, I guess, is her own personal story and her journey. Um, I've labelled this uh, episode IVF in the kitchen sink because <laughs> I think with every fertility challenge and journey there are always the extra things that come in um it's never just some kind of straightforward <laughs> this is the plan and we're just going to follow the plan so um I guess we want to talk to that today and I definitely do want to start with a bit of a trigger warning um I've spoke to Danny and we've both said how um, we want to be able to share, you know, helpful tips um, for anybody that is going on this journey. And we also want to be able to somewhat normalise the way that you feel on this journey. But we don't want to skim over the hard parts um, because for someone in the thick of the hard parts, uh, discrediting that is definitely not what we want to do. So you may need to grab your tissues. It may be a bit of a tearjerker. Um but you may also hear the happy endings running around in the background. So <laughs> with all of that said, uh, welcome, Danny. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm the one who feels honoured to be able to share my story. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's only uh, attempt 5,697 to get this podcast done, but we're here, right? We're yes. here, we've got good yes. Wi-Fi, we have no kids. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, um I guess let's go back to the beginning. Um, I know that you have had a very long journey um, right from a young age. So can you tell us, I guess, where um, where this all begins, where this all began yeah. for you? Yeah. So um, as a young girl, I got my period at about age of 12 um, and I remember being at school and just having really heavy periods, pretty much, oh, I reckon after about six months, it started to get quite heavy. Mm. Um, and obviously, you know, you do learn about it at school, but you don't really know what's normal and what, you know, it's quite taboo to even speak about your period, um, yeah, especially back, back, back in our day. Yeah, don't tell exactly. anyone. <laughs> you know, exactly. So, um, yeah, I would. I remember being with my friends and I'd be in agony and I'd have them for a really long time compared to them. You know, I was having them for seven to ten days and um, I remember even being at my friend's house and she didn't have a heat pack and I remember using toast to oh. cool my tummy because oh. I was in so much pain and I just keep 
um, reheating it and putting it on my tummy. So anyway, um, yeah, yeah, random. I was just like, oh, it's just your toast. Um, and then one night, I reckon I was about 15, it got that bad that I had taken Panadine for two, two Panadine for, I'd taken Nurofen. I was doubled over in pain, couldn't walk. My dad had to carry me to the car. My parents had to drive it. I reckon it was about 10 kilometers per hour because every little bump was just agonizing. Um, mm. Got to the hospital and, you know, you hear these stories of people being fobbed off, which was what happened to me. Oh, it's probably mm. just a stomach flu or, and I'm thinking, but I've just got, it's my period. Like I know the difference. Every between- month for the last like six months I've had a stomach yeah. yeah, exactly. And they didn't even do a scan, nothing. They just, they pumped me with morphine um, and then sent me on my way. And obviously my parents were quite unhappy with that. Um, and then how luckily mum, pardon. I said, how terrifying, like for a 15 year old girl. Oh, how terrifying. yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, in my head I was like, what is wrong with me? Why am I getting this pain? And, you know, the pain would be so bad that I'd want to throw up and everything mm. else that would come with it, the nerve pain, um, all of the things. And luckily for me we did have a good GP um, because it does take on average about 10 years for someone to get diagnosed. Um, but the GP sent me to a gyno and then, at the age of 15, I had my first laparoscopy and sure enough, endometriosis, I had a golf ball cyst that was actually fused from my bowels to my bladder and it was pulling. So that's why I was in so much pain. Yeah. I'm like cringing, so, just thinking of it. Yeah, it was, oh, it was horrible. And then like as a 15-year-old too, you know, being asked have you had sex and have you done this with people and in front of your parents is is also just it's such a big thing to even wrap your head around like you know yeah. and then having internals and all of those things yeah. so I was yeah, confronted I, with internals as a 30 something year old that was pregnant yeah <laughs> I yeah, was still like, no. I know I remember just walking out there like crying and just being like what just happened and every time mm. I had an appointment I would just be thinking about it like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to go to the gyno because I'd know what was coming, you know. Yeah. So I, I think it's would be really beneficial for a lot of schools to actually try and educate people on endometriosis because so many women have it and so many yeah. young girls too. Absolutely. So, I think, and I think there needs to be a real push for education around, I mean, women's menstrual cycles in general, in general like yes. it still floors me that I was in my 30s when I learned yeah quite in depth about my cycles I was like yeah oh, I've been here for three decades and not knowing yeah this. um but for young girls understanding what is normal and what is exactly. not normal and let's start talking about like you know the positive sides to being a woman yes. and having our cycles and all of the things but, yeah um hundred percent yeah, because that did put like knowing that I had endometriosis and you know straight off the bat it was at 15 oh you know you're going to have trouble having children um so that really started to change my mindset from such a young age that my body was broken I wasn't mm. going to be able to have children and my it was just such a negative feeling for such a long time which for me I feel like it really 
it really made a massive impact on my journey, um, the Absolutely. mindset, you know. So, yeah, I definitely think yeah. that that's important to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I suppose, I mean, we've talked, I guess, about you being fobbed off and, and the early signs that that you've seen. Um, but when it comes to, I guess, your story with IVF um, and the challenges that you went through, when you look back now, like what are some of the things that you wish you knew going into it? Oh, there's so many. Um, first of all, I feel like I wish that I knew the how, about how big of an impact your mindset can be. So obviously it's not going to miraculously make you pregnant, um, yeah. but, you know, <laughs> it's not like, and it is really hard because every everything that everyone says to you does impact how you feel. Um, but, again, going in with that mindset of, not going to work it's not going to work I was just I was already in a deep and dark hole you know so mindset is huge and there's definitely not enough um, support around IVF um, or fertility at all Um, you know you've got a couple of psychologists in Adelaide that specialize in it the fertility clinics do have a um, on-site counsellor but other than that there's not much Um, just in terms of being able to share your emotions and yeah, let it all out and sort of work through it. Um, I wish I knew to get tested for different things sooner um, rather than waiting. And that is one thing that I do tell people, you know, what's, if they ask me questions, I'm I'm always like, what's the harm in getting tested sooner rather than later? Because then you're already sort of ticking all those boxes as you go in. Yeah. Um, I also wish that I knew the importance of really trusting your fertility specialist. Oh, it's yeah. the same I've with heard um, lots of stories from women who have opted to change doctors yeah. like halfway through and stuff. And yeah, yeah and they've, they've said the same thing. Like I wish at that first appointment when I had this like, oh, I'm not 100% sure that I just yeah. changed them. 100%. If you have that gut feeling, listen to it um, because you need to have 100% trust in your doctor. Um, you are allowed to shop around. Like I think oh, I didn't know that either. It was just kind of like mm-hmm. you, you ring up Reprimed or, for, you know, whatever. You make an appointment and it's just whoever's given to you, that's just how it is. But mm-hmm. you can you can go and speak to them. If you don't align with them, definitely change because, you know, you're trusting them with, everything basically Mm. and I did see um so I tried to do a bit of you know we were struggling with money and stuff and so I found a free or a bulk build IVF clinic in Melbourne and my husband's sister lives in Melbourne so I was like oh perfect we'll just go there and we'll stay there and we'll do it I had no trust in the doctor. She didn't take into consideration that I had, you know, a long history of endometriosis um, and that at the time I'd had about six surgeries, Um, just put me on a standard protocol and I actually ended up with the first cycle, I ended up with 20 eggs, which is a lot, Mm. Um, especially for someone who doesn't have polycystic ovaries, that's a lot. 
Um, and I ended up getting something called ovarian hyperstimulation, which is, you know, hopefully I get this correct, but it's balls of fluid. So each of your follicles fill up with fluid mm. and it's really dangerous. You should actually, you have to go to the hospital most of the time if you do get it, a severe case. Um, and I got a severe case of it. They didn't care. They just, whatever. Um mm. I was, yeah, it was a really bad. So, and like, and how old were you? So, obviously, you were diagnosed at 15 with endometriosis. When you started your IVF journey, how old were you then? So, I got married at 25. Yep, 25. And then we started trying pretty much straight away. Um, Four years, no, two years of trying naturally. Mm -hmm. Then we started seeing the, um, the specialist and I did probably about six to nine months of Clomid, which is you take tablets, it makes you ovulate and, yeah, you go through this. It's a, it's still cycles. Um, still injecting yourself, but obviously it's just using your, your when you ovulate and then um, they tell you when to basically have intercourse. Mm-hmm. Did that for about six to nine months. That didn't work. So then we did um, IUI, which is, you know, artificial insemination. Did a couple of rounds of that. And then when I started IVF, I reckon I was about 28. Um, yeah. yeah. And then that's when we started going to Melbourne. Um, and that was just, yeah, no trust in the doctor because I tried to talk to her about my history and it was just, oh, yeah, we'll just we'll put you on this standard protocol um and I just I knew I didn't feel comfortable it didn't feel right um and yeah so that's probably one of my biggest pieces of advice as well a hundred percent and I suppose you know they're training aside it's like any professional you are going to get a dose of opinion and bias as well yeah yeah a hundred percent the other you know, the other thing is, um, yeah, like I remember with the nurse at Repromed, she was amazing. I I didn't realise the impact and the, I, I don't like throwing the word, you know, PTSD around, but I do feel like mm. I had a little bit of it mm. because I went in for my second cycle through Repromed and I walked in and I just started crying out of nowhere. I didn't even know that I was going to feel like that. And I just remember feeling so stressed out and she was like, stop being stressed about being stressed because yeah. I know that sounds weird, but you do stress about it. But Absolutely. she was like, it's going to happen regardless. Like just let it go. And it, honestly, it sounds so simple, but that advice really stuck with me. I was just like, yeah, if I feel stressed, that's okay, you know. So yeah. that's the other thing that, yeah, was really, that really stuck with me. So, yeah. Yeah, I suppose like you know, it's it's one thing to kind of say, like, you know, I'm going through IVF or whatever it is, like whatever, I want to say modality, like <laughs> that's not the word I'm looking for, you know, whatever procedural process you're going through, but the emotional turmoil that that puts into your mind. Oh, um, it's, yeah, it's like it honestly, to be completely honest, uh, going through IVF was one of the hardest times of my life um I think because trying people obviously if people aren't going through it they just don't understand no. a lot of people don't want to tell a lot of people either 
and try and keep it a secret. And that makes it so much harder because, you know, you're, you're injecting yourself with all sorts of things which are altering your emotions anyway mm. and then having to, you know, receive news that everything's out of your control. So, oh, you know, you go under to get have an egg collection or you only got a couple of eggs and they weren't good quality or we got to the, you know, it's to, we've got it to be an embryo but it's, again, not good quality. Like there's just so much to it. And you're putting your body through so much and you're trying to explain it to people, but it's really difficult for people to understand what you're going through. Mm. And yeah. it's very isolating. Yeah. So, I was say, I mean, when you go and you have those appointments, I suppose, you know, it's almost like finding out the results. Like, is there anything in place to support you after you get that news? No, not really. No. I mean, there is a counsellor at most, that most of the clinics do have a counsellor, but it's one or two counsellors that are available. They normally call you because of the, um, you know, the level of patients that they have. It's just a phone call. Um, yeah, it'll just, oh, yeah, your embryo transfer didn't work. I'm really sorry. Um and you just get off the phone and most of the time you just start bawling your eyes out and, you know, your partner's trying to support you, but they, you know, they also don't really understand. They can see what's happening. Mm. They don't understand. You've got the pressure of the financial stress that it's causing you and your mm. family. The emotional pressure of having, of just going through everything, the physical pressure of all the medication that you're on. So it's yeah. just it's just so much, and there, yeah, I I definitely think that there is not enough support for mm. like mentally for people. Luckily now, you know, we do have Instagram and all of those things where we can watch people's uh, their journeys and listening to podcasts like this one. Um, there are forums as well, like on Facebook that mm. you know, there's different groups. But I always like to give a bit of a warning with those because a lot of people will give unsolicited advice. Yeah. Um, or, oh, this happened to me and you should tell your doctor this and yeah. then that puts things in your head. Yeah, and then Based you get on just... that one experience, my yes. doctor, it tells me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And... So I suppose a little bit of a sideball, but. I mean, understanding that obviously, I mean, anything when it comes to, I think, women's health and birth and postpartum, like the support side yeah. of things, they're just woeful. So I suppose if we've got listeners that are listening today that haven't been through that IVF journey, but maybe they've got friends or family who are on it, yeah. what advice would you give to them? As I suppose to, they're probably going to be, you know, yeah, they're that immediate support. call to arms people. Yeah. Um, um research it honestly like I remember sending my mum because my mum just had no idea you know she tried to understand it but she was like all right you know and as an older person too she was like I don't know how to do things so I'd I'd look at uh, I would look up different websites to see how it could be ex easily explained or YouTube videos and I'd send her the link so she could understand what I was going through because obviously yeah. I told her and I needed my mum yeah. Um, 
So that's probably the biggest thing is to really try and understand it from their perspective as much as you can, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah YouTube clips, reading blogs, um, really understanding it. And then just even Googling um, questions or things to say. So I have, I know someone, you know, when they got pregnant, they told, they came to my house and they told me and my husband privately so I could deal with it. They knew that it wasn't about them. Of course, I was happy that they were pregnant, but I was upset for myself, for my husband. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Doing things like that and just learning how to support them um, Mm. is, yeah, really beneficial because, honestly, even just saying something like, it's shit, yeah, is good enough. Not, oh, next time, you know, just just relax and next time, you know, it'll happen. That, no, it just, just be real. I'm sorry what you're going through, it's shit. (laughs) Yeah, it's shit. Yeah. Let them cry. Let them, you know, just talk and tell you how, how they're Come feeling. Come with chocolate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Chocolate. It's like postpartum. Bring them some food, just all the comfort yeah. things, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, I mean, I suppose I know that after your, because how long, so you were 28 when you started IVF. Yeah. How long was it until... So it was about two years. Yeah. Um, I had the cycle in Melbourne. I had, so out of 20 eggs, I got two embryos, both. So then I had to do a uh, two frozen embryo transfer. So they're separate cycles altogether. Mm-hmm. Both failed. Um, and then that's when I was like, I can't, the stress of it all, me not trusting the clinic, all of that, changed clinics and went um to reprimand here in Adelaide. Um, and then I had, I literally went and saw the doctor and I was like, I need you to throw everything at it and the kitchen sink. Yeah. <laughs> <Just like that. laughs> throw everything at it. Like I don't care what needs to be done. I've got endometriosis. He took in, ev- like he took everything into consideration. He and was this when you got this was doc another doctor, Dr. Okay. Henshaw at first. Um, he's I think he was quite high at Reprimed. Um, and then moved over to Ray only because Ray took over halfway through the cycle. And you know, that was yeah. me and Ray. For those of you about, that aren't um, I guess from Adelaide that are listening, Ray's probably somewhat famous here in Adelaide for helping Ray babies. <laughs> yes, and gyno and yeah, yeah, getting everyone pregnant. Yes. Um, yeah, so, yeah, he, um, Dr. Henshaw explained about endometriosis and having to cool it down and, you know, going on a long, it's called a long down-regulated cycle. So um, one of the profess- professors there actually came up with this and it's been really renowned around, I think, all around the world, to be honest, um, and pulls down the endometriosis or the adenomyosis, yeah, which is in the uterus. Um, and then so we did that. Um, and then I got pregnant first, first embryo transfer. Oh, mm. and I want to just say too quickly, sorry, just for those who are listening, 
It's also not about the quantity of eggs that you get. So the first cycle, I got 20 eggs, which I thought, oh my gosh, amazing. But I got two embryos. Yeah. The second cycle, I only got 12 eggs and I got seven good quality embryos. First wow. one was Maya, my first daughter. So yeah. um, it's, the, it's not the quantity, it's the quality that you get. Yeah. So that's just a big thing. It takes one egg to make a baby, right? (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah. So then Maya was born and, yeah. Yeah. And I know that the, the, I guess the struggles then didn't stop. I know we've talked a lot about, um, you know, just that motherhood can be hard um, and postpartum and pregnancy can be hard. Um, Yeah. That was like a whole new thing I had to learn. (laughs) Pardon? That was like a whole new thing after IVF. I was like, oh, my gosh. Now it's like, you know, and and then feeling, and I know a lot of people feel this, that go through IVF and then get pregnant and then you're in the postpartum and you're like, what the fuck have I done? Excuse my French, but like what have I done? You don't have to excuse your French on this podcast. (laughs) Like what the fuck have I done? What like, But you're confused. I wanted this for such a long time. And now that I have this, I feel it's guilty that I'm hard. even, yeah, and I feel yeah. guilty for even, like, thinking this because yeah. I sh- I cried for such a long time for this and now I'm like, someone help me, you know. Um, yeah. But, again, didn't have the support, at, you know, all the postpartum things. Yes, yes. Oh, look, we're, we're big advocates for postpartum support. Um, yes, yes. So... So we had Maya and then so how long was it until did you go straight back to IVF? Yes. So I waited about a year. No, actually it was sooner than that. I reckon about eight months. I had another laparoscopy in between just to freshen things up, um, do another clean out, then did another IVF cycle. I'm sorry, another embryo transfer. So because I had the seven embryos, Mm -hmm. so I had six frozen still so then we did another frozen embryo transfer and then I again because he had taken the time and this was with Ray to actually pull down the endometriosis you know I did the laparoscopy did all the things again straight away got pregnant with Sierra yeah and again and I'm not saying that that's going to happen on, with everyone for those that don't know because I didn't yeah. know what it was until you went and had your last one can you just tell us quickly what is a laparoscopy for those? Because yep. I know quite often and for a lot of women that I know that have been through IVF and even with endometriosis, it's, oh, I had to go and have a lap done. And I'm like, oh, okay. And yeah, then you lap? actually told me what it was and I was like, fuck. <laughs> Not just yeah. I want to get my ears pierced here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so a laparoscopy is keyhole surgery, basically, um, whether you know, the gynecologist or doctor will go in and either laser out or cut out um, the endometriosis. Um, yeah, and they go in, they just, they. I mean, Ray is one of the only doctors here that does robotic laparoscopy. So he can really get into the nooks and crannies of it as well. So, mm-hmm. and for some reason, I always had it on my pouch of Douglas, which I don't even know what that was. <laughs> No, um, I don't know what that yeah, is. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I still don't really know. It's like some little pouch somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah, but you can have it on 
anywhere basically. Um, sometimes they do need to get in another doctor. I know other women that have had to have, you know, gastroenterologist specialists in because the endometriosis will fuse organs together. Yeah. So you could have your bowels fused together or your ovaries fused. It's, yeah, it can be horrendous. You can have a tiny little bit that causes a lot of pain. You can have a a whole heap stage four and it causes no pain. Um, so yeah, that's basically what a laparoscopy is. Um, takes a couple of weeks to recover usually from it. So yeah, it isn't just something that's just, you know, a real easy, quick thing. No, Uh, that's it. I mean, even at the beginning of this podcast, like I'd had six laparoscopies by then. I was like, yeah, I've had, I've had eight, eight in total now. So yeah. Yeah. And then obviously, um, as we'll get on to my hysterectomy. So yeah, yeah, that was the big one. so you had Maya and we were eight months postpartum and then you had a laparoscopy and you did another implant. Yep. And then I had Sierra. So yeah. she was born, yeah, two years exact from Maya. So, um, yeah, we are really lucky to get pregnant with her. Um, and then breastfeeding her and, you know, just doing the whole postpartum thing. Mm. Um, I'd gone back to work and I was seven months postpartum. And I'm pumping my milk at work and I'm like, why is my milk really, it had really gone down. Like I was hardly pumping anything. But well, maybe I'm stressed out. I don't understand. Anyway, I'd missed a period. But again, I was, I had just only, it was the second cycle since my period had come back. Mm. And I'm like, surely I wouldn't be pregnant. Like there's just absolutely no chance in hell that I'm pregnant. Like, Obviously, after everything I'd been through. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. Yeah. I reckon this was about the time I actually started following you on Instagram. Oh, really? <laughs> I remember oh. seeing it going like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, I still, to this day, you know, I still look at him and I'm like, where did you come from? So, yeah, sure enough, I did a test and I remember I was on the phone to my sister-in-law, like just doing it a wee because that's how much I thought it was going to be negative. And yeah. it just lit up like a Christmas tree, just two lines. And I just I hung up on her and I just went up to her and I was like, uh, I'm pregnant. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't, I don't know, but I'm pregnant. Yeah. Somehow. I don't know, but look, <laughs> I don't know. And I rang her back and I was just like, I'm pregnant. She's like, what? I don't understand. So yeah. And then we thought we'd find no, out. And that would be like, so after like, what six years of yeah like of IVF everything and, and I guess all of the lead up to that yeah yeah and then just miraculously got pregnant and I know that you know the more I've told my story a lot of people said yeah I've heard of someone that that's happened to and it's it's like your body just kicks in like all of a sudden mm-hmm. you know and I remember messaging Ray I'm like I sent him a the picture of the pea stick and he's like I told you I told you that this could happen yeah but, you know it was amazing but and he was obviously over the moon um so yeah it was fantastic and yeah. now he's a little two and a half year old running around <laughs> yeah fun times fun times yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but I guess your journey didn't end there um nope. as I know <laughs> so <laughs> What I mean, obviously, um, fertility-wise, things took a really big leap forward for you. 
Um, yep. But what what then happened um, from there with your endometriosis? So it was okay for a little bit after I had Orlando. I think, you know, all the hormones and breastfeeding and stuff sort of suppressed everything. Mm. Um, I've heard but quite then... a few times that pregnancy and having kids can really help with endo. Yes, yeah. So, um, but then it did come back with vengeance. So I was having severe, severely heavy periods. Um, and you probably remember the time that you and I were at the business pub and doing our our business course and getting up off the chair and it had just got twice. It had gone all over the chair, you know, um, and it was just a bunch of women that everyone was so supportive, but it's still embarrassing. Like, yeah. You know, it's like your bodily fluids are just there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was happening all the time. I'd go to the toilet. It would be all over the floor, um, all over the seat always having to put a towel on the bed um, and the pain was just awful. I'd have back pain and nerve pain. And um, so I spoke to Ray extensively about having an ablation, mm -hmm. which is essentially burning the inside of the uterus because he said it looked like I had adenomyosis, which is, it's, it's, it's they say it's endometriosis evil cousin so it's very similar and it's in the muscle of the uterus so the only way to to get rid of it is to remove your uterus or try and burn it burn it off yeah I even though you know I had four children one being stepdaughter but three of my own I was still like getting making that decision to stop to not have any more children it was just huge because if you have ablation um that's it no more children um so that was a huge thing to decide but I feel like I needed to do that to make the first step towards potentially having the hysterectomy yeah, yeah. so well, I suppose I mean by this stage you're talking about what close to 20 years yeah that you yeah we're living with it effectively yeah yeah um and so I went in for the ablation um yeah spoke extensively with Ray about it um and he was like you know we can only give it a try and see if it helps yeah. the bleeding and everything um it did it did help um and I have to admit actually the it was another laparoscopy but it actually wasn't as bad as what I thought of the recovery um given what they do to uterus yeah. um but yeah so I was still getting really bad bloating and the stomach cramps and the nerve pain um and then that's when I started thinking about the hysterectomy yeah so yeah yeah and that's and I know that the hysterectomy like I suppose by this stage the way you talked about it was it was just another surgery um yeah. <laughs> but it was very much I guess that um I guess that energetic attachment to the yes. wound you know like oh, that 100 you know that's like that essence of being a woman and and you know very much what we talk about all yeah. of the time um yeah so I know like you know, when it came to research, there was researching the procedure, but then there was also a huge adjustment. And and that mindset, again, yes, that you yeah. went through um, to be okay 
Yeah. Oh, 100%. It was. It was so hard, like, you know, and some people obviously don't really feel attached to their uterus or, you know, there's all different levels of it. But I suppose from the journey that I had from feeling like my body was broken to finally overcoming that it wasn't broken, it just needed lots of nurturing and then to finally giving me three beautiful children and I just just trying to think about having that removed was yeah it was huge and then even just not having a proper cycle you know and not yeah like having that womb space and all of that but the more research I did from a medical point from a spiritual point um, I listened to different podcasts, again, from all all different views. For me, it was the best choice. And it was time now for me to look after my children, my, myself, and give being able to give myself everything and my children because every month, you know, seven, eight days of excessive bleeding – I, I felt like I had nothing left to give, you know. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, even just for the depletion in your body after yeah. that, <laughs> um, exactly. You know, once, let alone doing that month in, month out, and we all know that motherhood yep. is hard and depleting in our bodies. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So um, it was really hard, and I, I definitely kept having different you know, thoughts leading up to the surgery and it was really good listening to all the podcasts and doing all the research because even the thought process that I was having, what if I go on under anaesthetic, I've chosen to do this, what if I go under anaesthetic and I die? Like the most yeah. stupid thoughts. But oh, catastrophizing. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. But apparently it's so common Um, and, yeah, I came out of the surgery and, Apparently I didn't have adenomyosis, but my uterus was nearly triple. It was definitely over double the size of a of a, a normal uterus. And he said it was very difficult to get out um, yeah. and it was huge. So it had to come out. And yeah. I do I remember some like, of those um, very early messages from you. And I think it was, yeah, close to triple the cc's yes. the size yes um, yeah and yeah. i know that you said i think that you said it had to be partially dissected to be removed and yeah. you were just you were so out of it but you were like i'm so relieved yes like, i'm <laughs> so happy i did talking. this <laughs> i was like oh, i'm so happy i did this but you know my mum had adeno and had a really bad big uterus after she had my brother and and me so um, and she had no idea until she had her hysterectomy. So, um, yeah, and I remember her telling me, like, you come out and you you honestly can feel a difference. Even though you're high on drugs, you can yeah. feel a difference. Like, it's like your body's like, oh, there's like your organs. Your other organs are like, I've got room. You know, this thing's not squashing me. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm um, yeah, very glad that I made that decision um, but, you know, not one you can make lightly no. um, and you need to be happy with your decision. But, yeah. yeah. And, and I, how are you again, feeling now? Because you're probably, what, 
two or three months post hysterectomy. Yeah, I'm about two weeks now. Yeah, feeling a lot better. Um, he did say so. Ray Jung did my operation as well, um, and he did say we'll take you know a good couple of months to really settle down. Um, but feeling so much better. Um, I had my first bout the other day of bowel pain um, and the nerve pain that I get down my legs. So I still have my ovaries. So I had yeah. everything else removed. Um, so other, than, even though I had the nerve pain, it was so much better than what I used to have because I yeah. think it used to all kind of, you know, the vagus nerve and the, the nerves running down the legs all used to, that pain used to kind of flare everything up. So then when my uterus would flare up, it would just, it was just, yeah, it was hell. Yeah. Um, so although it was still painful, it was a lot better. It's just the next thing that I need to work on, but that's through a uh, women's physio. So yeah. we'll start doing that soon now too. So, yeah, but yeah. I have not regretted it one bit. I wish I'd done it sooner. Um best decision I'd ever made and the recovery honestly was not that bad compared to what you know what I thought it'd be for having um you know major abdominal surgery so yeah 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 absolutely yeah well it's so nice to have all of those happy endings you've got three little ones running around as well as a teenager (laughs) yes yes Um, but yeah I think you know for anybody that is on that journey and feeling like there isn't an end in sight. Yeah. I think your like your story is a really important one to share because you have multiple happy endings in there. Like not only did you go through the hard work to start off with, but you had successful IVF cycles. Yeah. After that, you did have a, a miracle baby, um, yeah. you know, a, a natural conception and birth. And then you also were able to go on and, and I think really take control of the situation like I know early on you were saying you know you don't have any control like when you're first diagnosed it's you're just following the medical procedures but the difference between how it started and how it ended was I did my own research I made my own decisions I weighed up my own pros and cons I looked at it from different aspects exactly and I suppose it's so similar to birth you know you and I obviously are in the birth space um and postpartum and all of that and it's so similar you know just being informed and making those informed decisions and trust like we you know we bang on about trusting your doctors it's exactly the same um you know it starts from there from fertility you know you need to you need to have that trust all the way through because this is your life this is your you know your future baby's life um you know and I just want to say too that there were so many times where I honestly like wholeheartedly thought I was never going to be a mother like Mm. I honestly and so many women that I've supported have had the same thing and if you could look back and tell that girl, you know, it gets better and you can. I'm all about enjoying your journey. You know, it doesn't have to. I turned that around and yeah. instead of feeling, you know, it is obviously hard to get through, but just trying to really enjoy your journey that you're on because, I know it feels like it's you're never going to get out of it and you're in this deep dark hole but eventually and not and I know not everybody obviously has the happy ending but 
you can enjoy the journey and you always learn stuff from it. You always yeah. gain from it, you know, no matter yeah. what. So I guess so. it's that trying to, you know, look for the good and look for the positives and use that to to balance yeah. out any hardship that you're going yeah. through. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming no, on thank today. You. Thank um, you so much for having me such a journey that you've been on and I hope that any listeners whether you're on the journey or whether you know someone or are supporting somebody on that journey I hope that you were able to take away some handy tips um yeah. and yeah, I'm always happy you. if people sorry if people yeah. you know ever need want to reach out to me like I'm always happy to support where I can um or you know refer where I can um I'm like I've yeah, big big advocate for advocate, sorry, for just supporting because I know how much it's lacking. And, you know, in the future, I'd love to do something where, you know, we can hold space for women going through this or people going through their journey um, and just hold space for them. So, yeah, Absolutely. reach out if you need anything. Yeah. Yes, if you're in Adelaide and you don't know where to go, you can find her on Instagram, Danny the Doula. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Feel Good Parenthood podcast. We love having you here. Um, and if you have loved this podcast, don't forget on, don't forget to get on and tag, share, and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And until next time, see you later. <laughs> thank you. And that is a wrap on today's episode. If you've enjoyed the chaos and laughter as much as we have, don't forget to hit that follow button, share with your besties who need a good laugh and give us a like. Don't forget to check out our Feel Good Parenthood courses where we tackle all things toddlerhood and sleep. Our Facebook group is open and ready for you now too. Show notes have the deets. Until next time, keep rocking your parenting game and remember, you are doing an incredible job.